Preaching text, uh, why don't I say a, a prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for uh, drawing us here to worship you this morning, Christ Community Church. And I just pray that you uh, would be magnified and glorified or continue to be so, as you have been so far. And I just pray that uh, you would speak to us this morning. Uh, we give ourselves to you and turn ourselves over to you this morning in all ways that we can. Let me pray. Amen. So hear the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 14. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he heard compassion on them and healed their sick. He had compassion on them, healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, well, bring, bring them to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. So this is a pretty familiar passage, probably for most of us in here. Uh, and it's a great it's a, it's a great passage. It's one of the major miracles that Jesus performed uh, when he was when he was incarnate among us. And uh, this is, this is uh, a miracle that people have written books about, they have talked about at length. There's a lot going on here in this passage. It almost could preach itself, uh, but I'm going to give it a try. So, <laughs> so um, let's just start and kind of look at some, uh, starting with verse 13 and go down through here and just uh, talk about this. So, Prior to this passage, if you look in your Bible, uh, you'll find that right before this, Jesus gets news of John the Baptist being uh, executed. And uh, he gets this news, and of course Jesus knows him well, right? And uh, is, you know, he's his cousin, and Jesus uh, uh, knows him and was baptized by John the Baptist and so forth. So Jesus has now heard that his, his friend uh, is, has been executed uh, and his, uh, his family member and someone that he no doubt thought very highly of. And so what does Jesus do? Well, it says when he heard this, he withdrew from there to, in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Uh, naturally, Jesus needs to get away. Uh, Jesus needs some time to grieve uh, the loss of John the Baptist in this case. You know, as we always tend to do in our humanity, we forget that Jesus was fully human. And uh, it's easy to forget that, 
even if we don't realize we're forgetting it. And so we forget sometimes that Jesus had deep, mournful emotions like we do when family members passed away or when friends died or things uh, went badly and so forth. So Jesus wants to go to a desolate place and be by himself. Um, and he did this from time to time. You see this elsewhere in scriptures. Jesus would, would withdraw. This wasn't the only time you see this. And, uh, you know, I think you know, they say that, you know, crowds uh, wear down an introverted person and an extroverted person gains energy from the crowd, right? So, you know, uh, does this mean Jesus was an introvert? I don't know. I don't know, you know. I'm not going to try to psychoanalyze Jesus, but, uh, but it's, it's an interesting thing to think about, you know. Uh, but no doubt he dealt with some of the same emotions we do, you know, among pe around people. But here he is, he needs to grieve, and he goes to this uh, des desolate place by himself. Uh, there's no doubt an area uh, somewhere around the Sea of Galilee that, uh, you know, is, is remote, that he hopefully doesn't have to worry about, you know, a crowd and people coming. But what happens? We know what happens. It says, when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And verse 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. So Jesus uh, doesn't get his time by himself. He, uh, he heads out in the boat across the lake to this place. And the crowds of people have already made their way around the lake to wherever he's going. And they beat him there. Because they, they found out where he was going somehow. Somebody talked. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Jesus, uh, Jesus gets there and he sees the crowds. Uh, and now... I'm going to be honest with you. It would be hard for me to do what Jesus did here. Jesus did not say, oh, there's the crowd. I've got to find another spot. Uh, Jesus did not say, I need some alone time. I need to get away. No, Jesus says in the passage here in Matthew 14, it says he had compassion on them when he saw a great crowd and he healed their sick. So Jesus saw the crowds and his response is that of compassion on the people there. And as always the case, you know, Jesus is our example to live by. And uh, so one of the ways that we read scripture is we learn about how we are to live, brothers and sisters, how we are to, to conduct ourselves. And so let it be a reminder to us, and I'm talking to myself here too, to all of us, to have compassion even when it's the hardest, even when it's so difficult to do that, even, even when we're possibly justified, completely justified in going a different route. Jesus, I don't think anybody would have blamed Jesus if Jesus had wanted to go off by himself and do his own thing and have some time to get himself together. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus has compassion and heals them, heals their sick. So this is an incredible example that he gives us in terms of how to deal with people, as hard as it is. And sometimes it's, it's not a task that we can do, but sometimes it is. And uh, I think we're just called to do our best to have compassion on those around us in the best way we can, rather than, rather than avoiding them as much as possible in Christ. You know, avoiding, rather than avoiding them, be Christ-like around them, as hard as that may be. So... He heals them apparently for a good amount of time. In verse 15, it says that when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. 
the day is now over, send the crowds away and go into the villages to buy food for themselves. Now I can just imagine the disciples saying this and thinking, well, we're, we're actually doing the right thing here. We're actually uh, showing compassion on this crowd by you know, letting them know, okay, you're dismissed. You know, go, go, uh, go have dinner. Go, go do your thing. You know, uh, it's been great spending time with you, but you know, we're gonna, we're gonna adjourn. Uh, and, but again, Jesus, Jesus doesn't uh, do that. Instead, he answers the disciples by saying, "Well, they need not go away. You give them something to eat." Okay. Um, so this kind of puts the onus back on the disciples here in terms of the whole compassion thing, in terms of, of taking care of the masses and the people there that Jesus is with. So he's like, they don't need to go away. You, need to, you give them something to eat. And, I, and you know, you can just imagine this. Uh, this is such a great narrative. You can just imagine the, uh, the disciples, you know, I can see them looking at each other and, uh, and thinking about this. How, how's this going to work, you know? <laughs> so... Turns out, you know, they, they, they do have this tiny amount of food, five loaves of bread and two fishes. And so, uh, now there's two feeding miracles in the New Testament in the Gospels. One is this, where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And there's another where he feeds, I think it's 7,000. Uh, or was it 4,000? 4,000, yeah. He feeds 4,000. And um, so this is the 5,000 that he feeds. In both cases... Uh, somebody finds fish and bread, which is uh, uh, the common food you would be eating around the Medi- around the Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. You know, the fishermen and the cultures there, that the towns and so forth. That's what they ate. They had fish and they had bread. This is probably their staple diet. And uh, so, in this case, they had the five loaves and two fish. And I can't remember if it's the. 4,000 or the other account of, the, of this one that has the, 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 the little boy that brings the food. Yeah, okay. Brings the little boy. It's probably one of the other Gospels. Incidentally, this is one of the only two miracles that shows up in all four of the Gospels. Uh, even John has this miracle. And he's, he sometimes kind of does his own thing, right? You know, with a, tells a little bit different perspective. But, but John has this, has this uh, miracle too. The only other miracle that's in all four is the resurrection, by the way. So, but this is in all of them. So, um, there's some interesting things that I, I want to point out here, and that you may have thought about before, or maybe you haven't, but some of this was kind of new to me as I was looking over it. But, uh, what we have here is, is there, there's a whole other level of, of uh, action going on here in terms of what this represents and symbol and so forth in the Old Testament. So, what happens here is not unlike what we see in Exodus chapter 16, where we have uh, God and Moses talking. It says the whole Israelite community, this is from Exodus 16, set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, And we read on in verse 2, In the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died in Egypt, um, and so forth. In verse um, 8, I believe. No, verse 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. 
The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instruction. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and this is twice as much as they gather on the other days to cover the Sabbath. So, once again here, we see Jesus hearkening back to Moses in this passage. He's hearkening back to this. Instead of these people being dismissed and going to their homes, Jesus wants to provide them the bread. He wants to provide a heavenly bread for these people, a bread that only he can provide. And of course, this ends up literally being physical bread in this passage, in this uh, miracle. Jesus literally feeds them bread and fish. And um, so the bread that they would have had, uh, when it says loaves of bread, they're probably just little flat, unleavened pieces of bread. You know, they're not big loaves like you would buy in a package today at the store. They would have been flat, you know, little pieces of flat bread. So they only had five of them and two fish. So, as we say often here at Christ Community Church, uh, nothing is in the scripture by accident. And there's some numbers given here that are very important in this passage. One of them is the fact that there are five loaves and there are two fish. And uh, so five, again, is a clue, harkens back to Moses, okay? Because five is the number of the Pentateuch. It's the number of the Torah. And uh, you have the first five books of the Old Testament. And so there's a clue there that harkens back to that. And that is the fact that you have five loaves. Uh, in this case, we have five loaves. You have, you have Moses, but then you have the two fish as well. And, you know, I kind of see this, and, and, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of thinking symbolically here. I kind of see this as the Old Testament uh, being fulfilled by the New Testament. You have the two fishes, which fish are symbolic of, of Christ, right? And you see that becoming a symbol throughout the New Testament with the ichthus and so forth. Um, the fact that there are two of them, the church fathers would say that that refers to the dual nature of Christ. That is, Christ is both God and he is both man at the same time. So you have that, that there as well in terms of, of what is behind this. So you have five loaves here and you have two fish. And Jesus does a miracle and effectively feeds them heavenly bread, heavenly food, in the same way that he also fed the Israelites heavenly food with the manna that fell from heaven. This is, this is bread. And of course, in that passage, they didn't only have to eat uh, manna, they also ate quail. We sometimes forget that in that, uh, that Exodus passage. So you don't, he doesn't just stop with bread in both passages. He feeds them bread and the meat and the, the quail. In this case, it's fish. So um, they, they eat and he, well, before he eats, he, he prays, uh, he blesses the meal. He said a blessing, it says here in verse 19. Took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. I love the way, Connor and I were talking about this passage yesterday, I love the way that this, this plays out. It's almost so subtle, you know. You're going along, and he takes the bread, and he blesses it, and next thing you know, he's handing it out. There's no, there's no, there's no flash, you know, there's no lightning bolt, there's no... Uh, uh, shocker it's just suddenly you're like whoa what happened you know it almost you almost miss it if you're not careful you know 
it's something much greater is happening here. Jesus did a great miracle. And he broke the loaves and gave, it to the, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. Um, so, I've talked some about the, the bread being symbolic of the Old Testament and the manna. Let's talk a little bit about the fish, a little bit more about that. I talked a little bit about it, but in Genesis we see God. God said in verse twenty, Genesis one verse twenty, "Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth, across the face of the firmament of the heavens." So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. So here we have in the first feeding in the book of Exodus we have God feeding the winged birds you see uh, to the people in this same passage you also have fish created and in the second feeding of the 5,000 he feeds them the fish you see so you have both of these elements in the passage of creation and God uses those two things to feed his people and to bless them and so uh, in this in this passage, and incidentally, is this? I think this is an interesting uh, clue. Fish were created on the fifth day. It was the fifth day the fish were created? And we here we have five loaves of bread and two fish. You think that's a coincidence? I don't think so. I think everything's in Scripture for a reason, including the number of things they're to, they're to reveal truth to us. And so. Um, Fish were created on the fifth day. And I'm also going to read a little bit from a passage, and I thought this was great, that uh, Walt ended up using a passage this morning in Sunday school that I'm actually going to cover too, and that's Ezekiel 47. Uh, and it says here, we'll read it again, verses 6 through 12. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned there along the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and the other. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. And there will be a very great multitude of fish. Interesting, it points that out. Because these waters go there, for they will be healed. And everything will live wherever the river goes. And it shall be that fishermen will stand in, will stand by it from in Gedi to in Eglame. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but there will there will be places for spreading their nets, and their fish will be of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. Um, and it goes on, of course, with the uh, talking about the swamps and marshes, as we talked again about in Sunny School. So, the creation of fish um, in Scripture is, seems to me to be kind of important because it's brought up several times. Uh, and it's brought up specifically in, uh, in the creation story. You see it again, like I said, uh, you saw that in Genesis, but now you're seeing it again in Ezekiel. Again, this picture of fish um, showing up where the water flows uh, from the throne comes from Christ, the, the, the river of life, flows, and when it feeds into the ocean, 
the fish are abundant. There are many, many fish there. And so this is a picture, I think, of the church. The church and the people, the people of the nations getting life from the river of life, which is Christ, of course. So I see that as, that's what this picture is of. So we are, in effect, the fish. We are, in effect, the ones that the fishermen, fishers of men, reeled in at some point. Somebody reeled you in. So uh, we are the fish of the sea that Jesus talks about. We are, we are that. And uh, he has called us too, as you know, to be fishers of men and to reel others in as well. Interesting that uh, this whole deal with, with fish, you know, it talks about the, the creatures of the sea and Jewish, uh, Jewish legends and stories at the time um, that you could still read today if you want, were that uh, even the, the, the sea monster Leviathan that is in the ocean, the depths of the sea, would in the end be fed upon in the great, great supper in the end times. And that God, the people of God would feed upon the very evil, the very dark thing that beset them, the Leviathan of the, of the deepest sea. Uh, even that, being the symbol of evil and, and chaos, and perhaps Satan himself, ultimately will be slain uh, for the sake of the people of God. And I, I just think that's, a, that's just a pretty neat thing. That was a cultural idea, concept that they were they would have known and been familiar with at the time. So we have, we have uh, the, uh, the dual nature of Christ. Another thing that you see that as far as the two are concerned, you also have to have two witnesses for legal, legal matters in Jewish society. So that kind of brings us back to the number two of the fishes. You also, number two is a number of unity. Uh, when you have a marriage, you have two people. Adam and Eve were two, so it's a number of unity, which is, of course, in keeping with Christology, in keeping with Christ and what we believe about him. Um, and so you have the dual nature of Christ, you have the picture of unity, and you have the picture of the fact that in order for a witness of something to be legit in Jewish legal, legal circles, you had to have two witnesses of that. And in a sense, we are the witnesses of the apostolic gospel, brothers and sisters. So we are the two witnesses for that as well. We are the witnesses of that when we spread the gospel about what it's done in our lives, you see. You have to have, you have, to have two really to be a church, if you think about it. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them, is what, is what the scripture says. So the number two is important because where you have two or three, there I am, Jesus says. <clears throat> All right, so let me finish up by uh, reading the rest of the uh, Matthew 14 passage. After he looks up to heaven and says the blessing, he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave them to the crowds. Verse 20, and they ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 basketfuls of the broken pieces left over. So this wasn't just a, you know, um, kind of get everybody by, keep from being hungry. They're satisfied. They ate till they're satisfied. I remember, um, I, don't, I don't know, if, I'm sure a lot of you have dealt with a situation like this at some point, but I remember a few years ago, 
and we've kind of quit having them now, but on my dad's side of the family, we used to have family reunions every two years. And we would have at Chickasaw Lodge. And we would go there, and every year it would rotate, and somebody else was responsible for the food to feed the, the, the group of people there. Well, one year, it fell on me and Karen, you know. And so, well, I was supposed to go to, down to uh, the uh, store up the highway and pick up some chicken and bring it back, and uh, I lost track of time. And so um, well, there were some grumpy people there and in the uh, room after they started getting hungry, and people were looking at me, and, and I realized, oh, my goodness, I forgot to go get the chicken. So I had to jump in the car, run and get the chicken, and get it back, and, you know, and, and everybody ate. But, um, you know, it's stressful when you're responsible for feeding all these people. Uh, and you've got the responsibility of these people eating that's on your hands. And so, um, you know, I've, I've kind of been in that situation. It's, it's, not, it's not necessarily a fun, a fun gig, you know, <laughs> if you've ever been there. So, uh, but Jesus uh, feeds them with heavenly bread, and they're not just fed enough to, again, enough to assuage their hunger. They're full. It says that uh, they ate and they were satisfied. They had a good meal, a good meal. And so they, they had so much left over, they took up 12 baskets full of all the broken pieces left over. 12. There's the number 12, which, of course, the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 uh, gates. It's all kind of uh, uses of the number 12. Uh, 12 basketfuls full of broken pieces left over. And it says those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So you had 5,000 men, but then you also had their families. So it was actually more than 5,000, but considerably more, probably. And so that is, that is Jesus doing his thing, feeding his people. But he's also showing us, he's also showing us that he is the bread of life. And he is our spiritual food for us in all that we do. The very next miracle that happens in, this, in Matthew is Jesus walking on the sea. Again, hearkening back to the early Israelites when they crossed the Red Sea. You have, you have the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Pictures us back to, takes us back to the manna. The next miracle takes us back to the crossing of the Red Sea. You see, you see the Old Testament and New Testament, they're, they're related. And Jesus fulfills all that. I know we talk about that a lot at Christ Community Church, but it's important. It's, uh, it's important to, to be reminded of the unity of Scripture and how what is in the old points to the new, and what is in the new fulfills the old, and so forth. So let me, let me close up by reading, uh, finishing this from Ezekiel. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month, because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and the leaves for medicine, or as some translations call it, the healing of the nations. So, all right. So may we, as the people of God, turn to Christ for our spiritual bread daily. May we uh, seek Him to fulfill our needs, both spiritually and physically. And uh, let's, uh, as the people of God, let's be reminded and exhorted and encouraged to do these things and rely on Christ when he calls us to. Thank you.